Hey folks, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning, we are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual walk and look forward to all that Christ is doing in your life. If you are looking for more information about Christ Church or you would like to connect with one of our pastors or ministry leaders, you can reach us on our website, ccgf.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. the Lord has for us. Come on, let's just open up with a posture that said, I'm here to receive, God. I'm here to receive what you have for me. You may have thought you came this morning by accident or because you thought you were coming to have church. I'm telling you, you come this morning to meet with Jesus as we want to receive what he has for us, that he's the one who can turn it around. He's the one who can change the situation. He's the one we need. And so, Father, we come with expectation this morning. We come in one way. We're expecting to leave differently because we've been in the presence of the Lord. We've been searching. We may be hungry for certain things, but we know it is you, Jesus, we need. It is you. It is you. It is you. Pray this. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, come on. We're still asleep after that. Good morning. Well, my name is Robbie. It is a privilege to be here. I'm excited to bring you God's word. A special thank you to Pastor Craig for allowing me to step up and uh, preach the word. Uh, I say that with enthusiasm, but I also say that sarcastically speaking after following up the amazing pastors we've had these past couple of weeks with Kent Chevalier. It was amazing last week. And I'm telling you this, if you missed his message, it's worth going back and see it because this is part B to that message, all right? And so we'll, if you were there uh, last week, you'll, you'll, you'll relate to the word here in a second. We get into that. So I, I'm excited about here. And wh- why don't we set the atmosphere real quick? Turn to the person to your left and tell them, get ready. Now turn to the person to your right and tell them, I'm ready, with some enthusiasm. All right, I'm excited. I'm excited what the Lord's going to do. We're going to have a good time as we uh, look to his word. Uh, My aim this morning is, and here's my aim. You remember the story, and and I talk about teenagers, I minister to teenagers, and I know these guys were teenagers, but there's a story in the New Testament where there were these teenagers who had a friend who was paralyzed. And, and, and they hear about Jesus and the miracles he's doing. And so as teenagers, they're like, we got to get my buddy to Jesus. And so they show up at this house where Jesus is teaching. And, and the room is too full. And so they decide to do something only teenagers will do. They take their friend and they jump on the roof of this dude's house. And then they begin to dig a hole in his roof. And I imagine if I was the homeowner there, Looking up and going, geez, these teenagers, right? Only a teenager would do such a thing. But they had such a fervor, fervor, tenacity to say, I got to bring my friends to this Jesus fella. And that's what I'm believing for you this morning is that I'm going to bring you to the feet of Jesus. That's my hope and my prayer. And in fact, we rearranged this service to have time that we can respond to the word this morning. We're going we're gonna to have some time where we can meet with this Jesus and see what he wants to do. 
that today may be your day of breakthrough. Today may be your day of healing. I don't say that lightly. Today may be your day where you get to experience Jesus. Maybe you've been dry for a long time. Let's let that end today. Let's meet this Jesus. All right, let's get to the word. If you want to grab your Bibles, they're there, some in the pews. We're going to pick up in John chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 1, all right? And we're going to see what the word has to say. So it starts off verse 1. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So let me, let me explain. We get an idea of a few of the people in our passage uh, this morning. We have Lazarus. We have his sister, Mary. Now, this is not to be confused with Mary, the mother of Jesus, or Mary Magdalene. This is Mary, specifically in the Bible. It refers to her as Mary from Bethany. And then we have her sister, Martha. Now, these three, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, they were friends of Jesus. I know some people refer to Jesus as their homeboy, right? Like we're friends. We, we, we do that. Jesus is my friend. But literally, these three were friends of Jesus. Jesus would often go over to their house and have, have meal. I mean, it looks like Jesus really loved Martha's cooking. I mean, she could whip up a nice lasagna or, or some ribeyes. I mean, they, Jesus loved to be over at her house. This is how close they were. Not only are they close friends, these three supported Jesus' ministry. They, they saw his ministry in action. They saw him, what he's done, and how, how what, uh, the miracles and signs and wonders. So they supported, they were behind, they prayed to this, this Jesus. They prayed for him and so forth. And so you get this understanding they were really close. They were really close. But yet, these people who were close to Jesus had a problem. See, being a Christian or a follower of Jesus does not exclude us from problems or hardships or difficulties. We see here they had a problem, and their problem was that Lazarus was sick. He was so very sick. And I know when you're sick, you go to the, the pharmacy and you get your medicines, and I know you go to the doctor and you go to the specialist, and they probably did all those things with no answer. You ever been there in your wit's end where there seemed to be no solution no answer to the sickness, no cure, nothing seemed to help. In fact, this morning, I think of one of my middle school students, his name's Isaac, and his dad is here. Isaac's been struggling with, with, with migraines for, seems like, months now. He gets these migraines, he can't even go to school, he can't even be here on, on Sunday mornings worshiping with us. Parents are at their wit's end of what to do with Isaac. The sickness, there seems to be no answer. Well, we're going to believe, right, for his healing. We're going to believe, church, right, for Isaac's healing. We're going to pray. We're going to believe for Isaac's healing. We don't say that lightly. So Lazarus was sick. But here's what I love is this, these people of faith, Mary and Martha, they send word to Jesus, right? They send word to Jesus. They pull out their phones and they say, Jesus, the one you love 
is sick. I can imagine the Mosey face, wink, wink. And this is how close they are. Check this out. That all they had to say was the one you love is sick. They didn't even mention Lazarus by name. That's the kind of relationship Jesus had. So when Jesus receives the message, he already knows who they're talking about. The one you love is sick. And so they send word to Jesus. And it doesn't seem like the answer came. Now, I remember when I was in seminary, I received a phone call. One of those phone calls that like take you back and you're like, oh, well, that's a shock. It was one of those. My, one of my sisters, I have four of them. One of my sisters, um, my mom tells me she's pregnant. Well, that was a shocker. And I was taken back by it. Here I am preparing for ministry. And, you know, there's all those kind of thoughts in my brain, like what are people going to think and so on. But, but the good news was, she says, your sister decided she's going to keep the baby. And I was excited about that. Amen, right? She's going to keep the child. And, and, and that was all good news until I received another phone call six months later. No, not another one of my sisters is pregnant. Some of you are thinking that. But instead, the, the pregnancy wasn't going as planned. In fact, the child's going to be born early. And the doctors do not believe that the baby would live. Maybe a day, maybe hours. I mean, that's hard news to receive. Those are phone calls you don't forget. And so I knew what to do. <laughs> Pray, right? I called on uh, my, my, my friends who were preparing for ministry. Uh, I, I called on my local church that I was serving at. I called on the intercessories. And I'm telling you, we went to war on her behalf, believing God for a miracle for him to turn it around. Man, that song, Turn It Around. And we went in with much faith and we did everything we think we could do. We put it all on the line. See, I think that's Mary and Martha in this moment. I imagine as, as Lazarus is getting worse and worse and he begins to, 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 to fall apart, I can imagine they're like encouraging one another, hang in there, Lazarus. Jesus got the message. We checked. Message delivered. Read. Message received. Jesus got word. He's going to come. Hang in there, Lazarus. In fact, this is what's real interesting in my studies. I found that here how this is written, in John chapter 11, now a certain man named Lazarus was sick. The original hearers, check this out, would have referred to John chapter 4. Because it, it is written like this. Now there was a man, a religious official son who was sick. And in John chapter 4, the man comes before Jesus and Jesus simply says the word and his son is healed. So could you imagine, this is Mary and Martha, they, they, they believe exact, that, exactly, that exact same thing is going to happen. And here's another interesting fact. Lazarus, his name means the one the Lord helps. Okay, so here's this dude who has an in with God. He's friends with Jesus. He's named the one God helps. But yet... We find the answer doesn't come the way they thought. The Bible says that Jesus delays. Imagine dealing with that very fact that you know Jesus is delaying coming. 
And we find that the sickness eventually overtakes his body and he dies. And I can imagine what Mary and Martha are going through in this moment. The questions they must have had for Jesus. Where were you? I thought we were friends. This is the one you love and you delay? Where were you, God? Where are you? I know we can relate to that. I know in this room there's some heartaches, there's some, been some disappointments, some tough things. But here, here, I want you to know the faith that you can have in God is big enough for our struggles. For those heartaches, from those disappointments, our faith can be big enough. Check out what happens here. So Jesus shows up a little late. Try four days. Verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary, stay at home. Verse 21, she says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now, a couple of things here. Interestingly, Martha used to have Jesus over for dinner. They were that close. But because of the events that take place, we find Martha meets Jesus at the gate. There's maybe been a shift in the relationship. Jesus, I used to allow you in. I used to allow you in this close place. But because of the disappointment, but because of the heartache, I can't let you in that far. So I'm going to meet you at the gate. And then I like Martha because she's a Pittsburgher. She tells it like it is. Right? And when I read this, I get a sense that she's angry with Jesus. Lord, if you'd been here, Lazarus would not have died. I can imagine the Bible might not have put everything she was thinking in that moment. Right? If she was from the rocks, she would have said something completely different, right? All my McKee's Rocks folks, right? I can imagine the moment, what, what she wanted to really say to Jesus. But here's what I find really incredible, even Martha in her her grieving moment, she calls him Lord. I'm angry. I'm frustrated with you, God. You did not come through. We were, we were friends. We're like family. And she still refers to him Lord. And here's what I get is that you can have great faith and still be disappointed. You have great faith and still be disappointed. She even goes on to say this, but verse 22, but I know even now, God will give you whatever you ask, Jesus. Even now, in the midst of 2020, right? The year we had, even now, life isn't going the way I planned. Even now, I haven't received what I thought I should have received. I haven't been healed like I thought I'd be healed. Even now, you'll give me whatever you ask. And Jesus is incredible because the way he ministers to people is that he meets them right where they're at. He meets Martha right where she's out at the outside of the gates. And she, he does something pretty incredible because I, I think he knows her, her, her wrestling, her anger, her frustration. And he, here's the great, he can handle it all. I mean, she has questions about, about Lazarus's dead, death. Why'd you, lie? Why'd you allow him to die? She has questions of why did you delay? And Jesus gives her revelation. 
The first time he lays down this revelation for any time in the, in the gospels, he tells her this. He says, listen, listen, Martha, I know your questions. And listen how he, he, he speaks to her. He says, I'm the resurrection. You've been questioning about death. I'm the resurrection. You've been questioning about why? I'm the life. See, when we are in these moments of deep grief and disappointment and heartache, when we really want to cuss Jesus out, can we be honest here, real? There's a lot of these voices in our heads. Before they seemed like whispers, but in these moments, they seem like loud sirens. And what we need in this moment is a revelation of who Jesus is. It's for our eyes to be open to who he is. Man, she gets to witness Jesus. And then he goes on to say, now Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe what I just laid down before you? And I love her faith in this moment. She says, yes, I believe you're the Messiah. You're the son of God who has come into this world. Or she needed to hear the truth. She needed also to proclaim the truth over her situation. I'm not so sure she completely felt on par with everything that was going on. You know how grieving is, but I love that she declares. And sometimes we got to declare things even though we don't feel like it. She declares truth. Jesus ministers to Martha in a special way, but what about the other sister? What about, what about Mary? Where's she at? Well, did you catch earlier in, in the scripture, it says that Martha went out, but Mary stayed behind. You know, we, we process grief all differently. And, and for Mary, the grief was just so heavy, so hard that it kept her at home. I can imagine that she didn't leave the room. I, I imagine the grief kept her under the sheets, that it just was so heavy for her. Now, Martha sees Jesus. She gets insight into who he is. And check this out. This is what Martha does. She runs back to Mary and she taps on Mary. She finds her in the room and she says, Mary, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. The teacher, this is what she says to, to Mary. She says, the teacher is asking for you. The teacher is asking for you. Now, this is foreshadowing of the miracle that's about to take place. Can you imagine this? The teacher is asking for you. And upon hearing this, the scripture says that, that, that Mary gets up and she moves so quickly out of the house that those who were there mourning as well for the funeral, they were in town from Jerusalem. They were all part there in the family. They see her get up out of the house and sprint out. They think, check this out, that Mary is on the way to the tomb. Not this Mary. She's on her way to Jesus. The teacher's calling you. She gets up. The teacher's calling you. She gets up. Oh, can I tell you all foreshadowing with a miracle that he wants to do. And, and I believe that this morning that the teacher is calling you. That he's calling you to get up and come and meet with me. He's calling you. So Mary doesn't run to the grave. She runs to Jesus. That could be a good sermon title, right? 
She runs to her Jesus. And it says that as she saw Jesus, she then falls to Jesus' feet. And I love this, Mary, because if you look throughout Scripture, she's constantly at the feet of Jesus. See, before, I made mention they were all friends with Jesus. Before um, this passage earlier in the Gospels, Jesus is over for dinner. Martha's whooping up a good meal. There's lots of chores and things to be done. And so Martha goes to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, tell Mary to help me out, to, to do some of the chores. And Jesus says, no, no, I'm not going to take away from what she's doing because she's at my feet listening to my words. Then we find this story in the moment of grief and, and heartache. And again, she's at the feet of Jesus. This is John chapter 11. John chapter 12, just in the next chapter here, we also find, find this same Mary at the feet of Jesus, breaking perfume, weeping and washing his, washing his feet with her hair. Man, this, this Mary is a worshiper. In good seasons and in bad seasons, we see, man, she's constantly worshiping this Jesus when it's easy, when it's hard, when it's difficult. In all seasons, she's worshiping this Jesus. And what I find interesting, if you notice this, is that she grows in her worship. At one point, she's just listening. To the next point, she's pouring her tears. To the third, she's making a sacrificial worship. And here's my, my, my point I want to make and a challenge for all of us. As we've grown in our theology or our understanding of God, as we have walked with God for, for some of us 25 years, 30 years, maybe someone here has walked with God for 50, 60 years, I don't know. But as we have walked with God and got to know him better, has our worship grown? I mean, it would, it would not make sense that the more we see God move, in our lives, I don't know if that's proper language, but it doesn't matter, right? Like the more we see God move in our lives and have him provide for us and take care for us, how could, we, how could our worship be less? Like we should be uncontrollable, crazy like Mary in her worship because we know this Jesus. I mean, even one of the disciples speaks up and says, you know what? Jesus, it probably would be better that we would have sold the perfume and given it to the poor, right? They were critical of her worship. Her demonstrative, very in your face, I'm going to worship this Jesus, right? They get critical of it. And Jesus corrects them in that moment. And he says, listen, you'll always have the poor, but you will not always have me. I think a takeaway for us is that we do not take for granted his presence. Mm. That there are moments here on Sundays, there are moments in your life throughout the week where his presence is real, but we are so quick to leave. Don't take for granted the work that Jesus is doing in your life. Don't, for, don't, don't take for granted his presence, but to worship there and to engage with him even in hard seasons such as Mary's in our passage here. And it's this kind, check this out, it's this kind of worship that moves the heart of God. It says that upon seeing this, Jesus is moved. 
And this is where we find the shortest verse in the Bible. You can learn this one today, all right? Got it. Jesus wept. Upon seeing her worship, upon seeing her heartache, he, he, he weeps. And here's what I find so incredible about this Jesus. Is he knows how the story ends. Right? He knows the miracle he's about to do. But rather, he's purposefully present in her pain. Oh, oh, Mary, I know what you're going through. He is purposefully present in her pain in that moment. He weeps with her. He pours tears. He comforts her. I imagine she's at his feet. He places his hands, his presence on her. You know, I remember going back to my story. I get word deliveries taking place. Get in my car, I leave school, drive as legally fast, I'm on tape here, so drive as fast as I can safely to the hospital. Unfortunately, sadly, the, the, the baby didn't live, but just for a few hours, and by the time I got there, the baby had died. Now I knew Going into this moment, I needed to be strong for my sister. I needed to fill the room. I needed to, to, to be present with her. Not sure what to say or what to do, but just to be there. I, 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 I get the flowers and all the stuff that a big brother's supposed to do to, to try to encourage my sister. And was present with her for a moment, put on my big boy face and be strong. We joked, we laughed, we cried, we prayed together did all those things, but it wasn't until I left that hospital that day and made it into my car that all the emotion of experiencing that kind of loss and all those questions and those angers and everything, you know how that is, all collided on me in that single moment and all I could do was weep and cry. In fact, I was thankful that I was the only one in the parking lot that day. Like I was ugly crying. You know what I'm talking about? Like snot coming down, wivering lip. You know how that is? I was ugly crying. I was thankful that no one else could see me. And it's interesting how God can minister to us in our need. And it felt like this, that the Holy Spirit was weeping with me. That God was weeping there with me. No real answers, but just ministering to, to me. And I believe that's what Mary needed. Jesus' presence. Jesus to speak to her spirit, to speak to her. I love God that he ministers in truth, revelation to Martha, and ministers to Mary in spirit in his presence. So I did this at the first service. I'm gonna have faith this morning that I know some people in this room might just need that very thing, this very moment. So if you here this morning and you need his presence to comfort you in the midst of mourning or disappointment, I just want to pray with you. And I know it takes a little vulnerability in a room this size, but you know you need it. So if that's you this morning, just raise your hand. You, you know that you've been mourning some things that may be years ago. It may be recent, it may be the news, it may be 2020, some things that have happened. It doesn't matter, but you need that comfort of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? 
Who cares what anybody else thinks? This is between you and the Lord. Amen. Amen. Keep those hands up. Anybody else? Five seconds. All right. We're going to pray for you right now. Would you extend your arm if you're next to somebody with their arms up? Put your arm on them. Yes, Lord. We thank you. You are a comforter. You are a minister. You know what we need. And I pray right now you would wrap your arms around those who are mourning loss. Great loss. It could have been from 20, 25, 30 years ago. It doesn't matter. Sometimes the healing just doesn't come today. But we believe. And you would comfort those. You'd wrap your arms around them. You'd weep with them. You'd be there. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Now, the story could have ended there, right? Both of them were ministered to incredibly by Jesus, right? The story could have ended. Both of them were like, Jesus, we're thankful for what you did. But here's what I love is that we know that the story's not over. That in fact, Jesus had more to do that day, more than they could imagine. And in fact, so Jesus tells them, take me to the tomb. He goes to the tomb and he sees there's a stone there. And he tells them to remove the stone. Now imagine with me, you already know what happens to Lazarus. But I find it interesting that he asked them to remove the stone. That they could participate in the miracle that was about to take place. There's another sermon right there. We just keep writing those down for me, would you? Right? They get to participate in what's about to take place. Now, Martha again, my Pittsburgh girl from the rocks, she says, Jesus, if we remove the stone, there's going to be an odor. I mean, she's so literal. She's right. She's exactly right. It's been four days. His body's decaying. And here's what I think she is saying to Jesus. And maybe she thinks that what Jesus wants to do, because listen, they're such close friends. Jesus showed up late. She believes Jesus wants to say his goodbyes. Right? That Jesus is heartbroken that he was late and his best friend died without him able to say, see him face to face one last time. That's the Martha thinking. That's what she's thinking. He wants to, to say his peace. Little did she know, right, that God had more to do, right? All she could see was this. But here's what I want you to get. God had bigger things in store for her. There was more he wanted to do. If that's not encouraging for you, what I want to encourage you now is that God wants to do more. I believe there's more that he wants to do. And oftentimes we put them in our theology boxes, which really just means our belief about God. And I want to say to you that he has more he wants to do. Often we, we think, oh, God does certain things, but he's not so concerned about my everyday matters. That's a lie. Or we believe God is creator, but we don't believe that he can help me overcome this battle or this struggle with sin. Listen, I'm telling you, there's more he wants to do. There's more he wants to do in this church. We always think of the glory days. Well, I'm telling you, the glory days can be today. Today. I got to believe my best days are today, not yesterday. There's more he wants to do. And I love this. He's about to rock the world's. 
He's about the rock, the rose. Because listen, uh, in the Jewish thought, day four was important of death. Because day four meant to their minds that the body and the spirit separated. So she thought there's no way Lazarus can come back. There's no way that God can turn this around. Oh, yes, there is. And his name is Jesus, right? Oh, yes, there is. And his name is Jesus. And so then Jesus prays. And listen to what he prays. He prays, Father, I'm praying this aloud so they may believe. So that they may believe. I'm praying this aloud, which means that Jesus literally could have thought Lazarus out of the grave. But instead, he says this prayer so that they may believe. And then he says these amazing words. Lazarus. Lazarus. Sorry, I got to get my preacher voice there. Come out. Come out. Three simple words. And I was thinking about this, how easy it is for us to say three simple words. How, how many words do we speak in a given day, right? Hundreds, maybe thousands. Men, think about how many w- words your wife speaks in a given day. Come on. I may pay the price for that one later. Right? So easy. Like, you don't get tired from three little words. I might get tired from preaching twice today and speaking all day. Like, yes, but from three words, that's nothing. And it's nothing for God. Because in those same three words, he, he spoke the world. He spoke the universe. He spoke the stars and the moon and everything into existence. Those three little words, that's all it takes. Let it be. And it was. Now, I heard this once before, and I think it's completely worth repeating. That if Jesus, in this moment, doesn't call Lazarus by name, Rather, if he just said, come out, that all the dead in that moment would have risen. If he doesn't call Lazarus by name, we'd be living in a horror movie, right? The living dead. That's literally what that means, is that Jesus has such authority that he had to call him by name. And I can imagine that moment, the Holy Spirit was like, not this Lazarus, because there was obviously more Lazaruses there, right? Not this Lazarus, not that Lazarus, here you are which I love how specific it is. So we have this God who creates the world with his voice, who can raise the dead, but then is so very specific to the call that this God that we speak of calls us by name. Now that's incredible. That same God calls you and I. I love Malachi. He brought this scripture up and it's one that's been challenging me. It's in Hebrews chapter uh, I think it's 13, and it's one we often say in church, but we maybe really don't think it through or process it or really put it to action. And it's this verse there. He says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm going to teach you that verse one more time. We're going to say it with some authority. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now think about that for a moment. Because what that means is what he did yesterday what he did in the New Testament, what he did in the Old Testament, what he did way back when is what he can do this very same day. 
that the same miracles of healing, the same miracles of provision, the same restoration, the same ministry of his presence, all that took place then means it could happen today. Woo, that changes things. Do we believe it? Just as Jesus asked Martha, do you believe it on the resurrection in the life? I'm sure Lazarus does, right? Lazarus realized he came out of that grave. Jesus is the resurrection. And then, then he goes on to say, Jesus is going to teach him real quick how to live. And I don't want to skip over this final verse because this is important. Jesus, Lazarus comes up out of the grave, right? He doesn't come walking. He comes hopping. I'll try to demonstrate, but I'll make a fool of myself, all right? He comes hopping out of that grave, and this is how I know this, because his feet is wrapped with linens. His arms are wrapped with linens. There's sheet over his face. He can't quite see right. He can't quite move right. He can't quite walk right. Listen, because the grave clothes weren't meant for life. In fact, they're pretty stinky, right? Four days on a dead guy is probably pretty stinky. And I can imagine, imagine with, here, here, here's what it looks like. What if he never took the clothes off? You never want to be around that guy. Right? That's like me bringing you to middle school camp. Right? Amongst the eighth grade boys and the smell. You take off their shoes, it's a whole nother world, right? Like no one wants to be around that. And the same would be said for Lazarus. No one wanted to be around him. He's wearing dead man's clothes. And those clothes weren't meant for living. They weren't meant for, for walking. He couldn't run in them. He couldn't live in them. Jesus says, I'm the life. And if you want to have it, you got to take that stuff off. You got to shed that stuff. You want life. I'm the resurrection and the life. The beautiful thing is he calls us by name to do this. He's so specific. And I believe he's calling you this morning to do business with him. You know, last, last uh, week, it felt like the sermon was titled, what if God's answers to your prayers are no? That's what it felt like today. What if, come on, believe with me. Believe with me. Come on, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Believe with me. What if today the answers to your prayers are yes? Today, the answers to your deliverance is yes. Would have believed the answers to your healing is yes. Let's just praise God for that right this second. Let's believe that this morning. Let's believe that. Amen. Amen. And don't talk ourselves out of it. But let us focus on him, hearing the word, his truth, and who he is. So I think the worship band's supposed to be up on stage right now. They're not. That's okay. Let's go before this Jesus. Because I want to allow some time for us to sit in his presence. I want to allow some time for us to pray for one another. I want to allow some time for maybe us to lay hands on one another. James chapter 5, if you want to read this, it's a really powerful verse. And it talks about the power of prayer. And it says this. It says that if you are healed, that we are to call on the elders of the church, lay hands on you. And it says you will be healed. It goes on to say, if you need forgiveness, you need to shed the grave clothes, confess your sins to one another. 
and you will be healed. We believe in the power of prayer. And so we're going to have some time here in a moment to do that. And I also love, check this out. It goes on to say, Elijah prayed for three years. Three years. No, actually, sorry, I messed it up. Elijah prayed that it would not rain, and it didn't rain for three years. That's incredible prayer life, right? His prayer life affected the weather, the atmosphere. It's absolutely incredible to me. It says, then Elijah prayed again, and it did rain. Now, that's Elijah, and we all get that. Like, Elijah's Old Testament hero, the faith. Like, that's Elijah. But what I didn't tell you is there's a verse right before it, and it says, Elijah was just like us. Me? You? Us? Right? Yes, just like him. We can believe. We can pray. Let's allow the Lord to speak to us. Will you bow your heads with me? Take the moment to allow him to speak. The band's going to begin to worship over us and pray, speak over us, encourage us. Tell us of this wonderful God we serve. That nothing is impossible for him. That we look at what he's done in the past. We believe that this morning he can do it again. That is not just for that other person. This isn't just for the other person or for somebody else. This is for me. Yes, it's for you. God loves you. God has a plan for you. God wants to do something special in your heart, in your life. As we look upon the cross, as we look upon Jesus, our Savior. This is for you this morning. This is for you.